Well, hello, everybody. Welcome along once again to the Day-to-Day -day Life brought to you by Obteranus. We've got a packed show today, as you can probably imagine. Loads of great guests to help us break down yesterday's action, as well as look forward to what we've got coming up today. In the meantime, once you're done with the show here, please make sure that you head over to theanalyst.com and take part in the Opta Challenge, your chance to win $500. And then later today, we also have the Opta Quiz at 1800 GMT tonight as well. Good chance for you to win some money there. The big cash prize did get one last time out, but $1,000 is up for grabs again later today. Right then, um, I think there's only one place we can start, really, Matt, isn't there? Um, they're going to win it, aren't they? England are going to win the World Cup. Let's just say it now. Well, Tournament Furnace is in full, full tilt. After yesterday, like, it was the control in the performance, I think, that was so impressive. It was a poor Welsh side. They they battled hard, but there's, we're gonna we're gonna face tougher challenges, aren't we? But we didn't let the inability or the failure to break down that Welsh defence in the first half get mm. to us too much, and, and obviously came out in the second half firing. Um, yeah, it was encouraging. It, it was just as encouraging as the opening game. Um, more encouraging than the US game. But I, I, as I said yesterday, I wouldn't read too much into the US game. It was a safety first approach from Southgate, wasn't it? Yeah. To enable us to, to hopefully kick on. Yeah, it was really good. Right, let's see if someone can bring a little bit of normality to what we're trying to say here. Dan Edwards joining us from our side. Dan, you well, mate? Yeah, I'm not bad. How are you guys? Well, I mean, I'm buzzing. I think, you know, what Matt's probably like right now is probably slamming his hands on the desk every few minutes last night as that was going I predicted, on. I predicted 3-0 as well. Uh, yet another prediction that's come in. You did say Gareth Bale will have 34 touches of the ball, though, didn't you? So yeah, I didn't. I didn't think Gareth Bale will come off at half time <laughs> and make one pass in the game yeah. either. So. Good mm. job, Chesney Hawks was on at half time to really celebrate his one and only uh, pass of the first half. So I thought that was a, a nice touch for them. England's new mascot, Chesney Hawks. I tell you what, it's come a long way since I saw him at a uh, pub in Winchester many years ago. Anyway, uh, that's a <laughs> bit of a sidetrack of a point of today. Um, yeah, talking about that first half performance, it looked it looked slightly just disjointed for the opening forty five minutes. Uh, I, I can't quite put my finger on why. Was it? I'm just going to ask you this, Dan, out front, and put you on the spot. But do you just think it was a case of it needed forty five minutes for that side to merge together and form cohesion? I think it? so, yeah. I think they were probably expecting a bit more punch from Wales to start with. Um, the left-hand side, the movement wasn't quite great with uh, Rashford and Shaw. Even when they played together at club level, I thought Rashford was asked to play a bit of a different role. He was inside a lot rather than hugging the touchline. And he seems to just miss time as he runs quite often. Um, yeah, his performance was quite erratic, wasn't it, Dan? It, it, I mean, he got two goals and I, I thought he played well, but I don't think... There's been a lot of talk about how Rashford needs to come into that side ahead of Sterling, etc. <clears throat> Tactically, I found it quite an erratic performance from Rashford. Yeah, um, I did. don't know how much of that was down to, as you say, was yeah. being told to. It, it was an end products game from him, but everything else wasn't really up to par. It's one of those where, you know, if Danny Ward was in better form, we'd probably be saying that Sterling's got that place locked down. But yeah, I mean, the yeah. goals went in, so that's what happened. Another player that came in yesterday, Dan, uh, you are a big Man City fan, so I know what yeah. your personal feeling is on that was. Phil Foden, obviously proving himself yesterday as, as we know, one of England's most important players. Do you yeah. think that that could maybe cement his place in the starting eleven, or do you think it was almost like a, a charity appearance that Southgate gave Foden, knowing that England probably were qualified already, 
and also to shut people up about how he's not playing. But we'll actually see in the next round him revert back to Sterling and Saka either side of Kane. Yeah, I mean, I think Southgate's made it difficult for himself because Foden played so well now that there's obviously going to be even more clamour than there was for him to start. But I can't see him starting. I think Sterling is just too important to the way we've performed over the last few major tournaments, that he's just not going to drop him. He's a senior figure. Mount, I think, has that place locked down the left centre mid role. He said before he doesn't really trust Foden in that in that position because he doesn't play every City, which he kind of does. And then the right hand side, you know, Saka's never really let us down. He's been amazing every single time he's played for England. So I can't see how it's fair on him to be dropped either. So I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if he if he changes any of that front line personally. Foden. Foden, and I think you could probably say the same for Grealish as well. It, they feel too high risk, high reward for Southgate. He's too yeah. conservative, isn't he? The way that he plays, yeah. Sterling and Saka will do exactly the job that he knows yeah. they will that he needs them to do. And Mount will also do that role in the central position. So unless we're behind in games or mm-hmm. needing to to break down a team in the second half, etc., I don't think we're going to see too much of those players unless no, injuries and suspensions but what what a group of players to be able to bring on it's it's lovely options for England to have and as that graphic just showed there three of the nine youngest goal scorers in this tournament so far um with Saka Bellingham and Foden we've got a passing network graphic from last night as well just to show how well like it, it looks very well drilled this England team at the moment and I know that yeah, there's a lot of passing around the back, etc. as well. But there's a lot of pretty triangles there, aren't there? And they're passing patterns in, in those teams, despite players like Jordan Henson, Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford entering the team last night that haven't been playing regularly for that England side. I think it shows as well that Southgate like so closely follows what the successful managers in the Premier League do. If you look at that graphic there, you know, Walker was inverting quite often in that first half. Um couldn't really tell you why, he just seemed to be asked to do what he does for City. And Henderson as well seemed to be like getting quite far forward on the right to occupy that space to allow Foden to come inside, which he does with Trent and Salah at Liverpool. I think it shows that Southgate, you know, he, um, he studies the top performing coaches in England and tries to bring a bit of that into our side. Yeah, we yeah. actually discussed that yesterday, didn't we, Belly, with yeah. the Man City kind of... We've got that graphic about the passing, the team styles uh, so far. <clears throat> in this World Cup, Spain and oh, England were a bit closer to Spain before yesterday, um, but yeah, England, England looking similar in in oh, their metrics in terms of direct speed and and sort of passes per sequence, which is that bottom axis there. Yeah. It's very similar to to Man City in the Premier League this season, um, and and it's almost like we're we're more comfortable now as a, as a nation passing the ball a little bit, a bit slower build-up, less kind of like hit it to the wings, hope uh, that we can get it in the box. There's I mean, more of a methodical way, isn't there, of play? Yeah, and what I found interesting last night was you kind of had two accesses. On one side, you obviously had Walker, Foden and Stones. If you build it as a trio mm-hmm. on that side, you had a Man City wing on one side. And on the other side, you had the United wing of Shaw, Rashford and, and, and even Harry Maguire, who like we're, we're seeing the return of Harry Maguire from tournament Maguire because the way he's going forward the ball now this is a guy who's looked all year shackled in his confidence and he seems to have put a free Lions jersey on right now and he he looks like he's thriving again in this in this lineup and I do wonder if it's just 
you've now got an England team where, okay, we're probably going to expect Trippier to come in. We're probably going to expect Rashford maybe to drop out one of these games. Like having these players that it's almost like Southgate has played FIFA and found the team chemistry. <laughs> yep, this will do the job for us. Um, and it, I think there is definitely something in that. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure about the Trippier. I think Walker will play in the next round. Surely yeah, I think Walker will play as well. Yeah. The threat of Senegal good. pose at wide. Yeah. Sar, um, Ilhamain and Day as well for Senegal. Both of those are rapid, really quick players. Quick feet as well, uh, skillful players, and they'll they'll trouble England in that next in the next round. Yeah, that's um, why I, I think, think was... that's why I'm a bit worried about Maguire as well. Yeah, it was important for Walker to get those minutes. I think he was really impressive considering they were the first minutes since he had groin surgery. So he didn't really look off the pace at all. I think that bodes well for Senegal because, as you said, Saar's just electric. He won eight fouls mm. yesterday. Mona was a penalty. I think Trippy would struggle a little bit if he was isolated with him, but Walker can kind of just deal with that side on his own. So, I think yeah. I, I do think England have more than enough quality to, to dispatch Senegal in the next round. But there are obvious threats there, aren't there, with that Senegal team on the break. Yeah. Um, England will have a lot of possession in that match. And I think that we're... We talked yesterday, didn't we, Benny, about the Sadio Mane issue. Oh, and that yeah. Actually, they do look like there's a big hole in that side. As the tournament's progressed, they've got better and better Senegal. Uh, that was a really difficult win yesterday, especially after they Ecuador equalised and then to, to come back mm -hmm. and score straight away. I think at the point Ecuador equalised, we only gave Senegal a 17% chance of making it through. So, um, yeah, well, well done, Senegal. Um, but I think... England will have enough to beat them in the next round. It's, it's, it was always going to be, I think that Group A, for me, was one of the weakest groups in the World Cup. And whoever England would play out of that should be confident that they can, can beat them. I'm, we'll go on to this in a minute when we talk to Jeff, but I, I haven't seen much that impresses me with the Netherlands so far. Um, so, yeah, I think it's if England beat them, then... The next round is when we start to worry. I think yeah, mm -hmm. coming up against those sort of teams like France mm -hmm. could be. Well, we know we know it's a completely different kettle of fish uh, than what we face so far. But Dan, do you think how how far do you think England can go in this tournament based on what you've seen um, so far? I'm a very cynical man at the best of times, so I expect us to lose every single game we play. But I've got to give some respect to Southgate because he keeps getting things done other than when we get to later stages. But I'm a little bit worried about Senegal because. You know, they're a good defensive team as well. I think that can maybe go unnoticed a little bit. They just won AFCON, conceded two goals the entire tournament. Yeah. They didn't concede a single goal in the group stage at AFCON. I know there was lesser opposition there. But they've obviously got some kind of um, identity attached to them now and they know how to win a competition just recently. So I think, you know, they've got more recent, more recent winning experience than we do. Far more recent. I think yeah. that'll be a game that's won late in the second half. They, um, you know, yeah, the, you look at their back four, you've got Ismail Jacobs from Monaco, Abdi Diallo, Koulibaly, and Sabali in the right place of Batiste. Like, they're not, there's no uh, lesser or smaller players there. They're, they're all playing at top level clubs. And uh, I looked earlier, Sabali and Jacobs, the fullbacks, they've only been dribbled past once this tournament combined. So even though that's a strength of ours, they're clearly like, can hold their own in those positions and they'll pack them yeah. as well. You know, they've got Idrissa Gay playing almost like a 
the number well, 10 he's role. suspended he's suspended oh, is he out? okay yeah, he, he got another yellow yesterday which is a mm. massive blow for them yeah but in that opening game it's netherlands the netherlands didn't attempt to shot on target until gakpo's goal i think that was in the 85th minute yeah, yeah and then obviously the next goal came after a follow-up so it was two shots on target there as well they were really tight defensively and probably should have been leading in that game at half time. So yeah, they'll call they'll cause England's problems. I just think England have enough. I think this England team have enough tournament experience. I think they know how to grind out those kind of results against mm-hmm. teams that aren't your France, Spain, maybe Argentina, Brazil. Um I just think that England will have enough in that in that game to do it. Yeah, all I want to see is when it's inevitably nil nil at fifty eight minutes, I want to see those <laughs> early subs. I don't want them to wait until the seventy nine. Yeah. Do the basic things just make the decision early and commit to it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got Grealish, you've got Foden, you've got Rashford on the bench well, as well. All three of those. Callum Wilson even caused problems yesterday for Wales when he came on. So, yeah, we've got options now. It's a bit different to before Southgate Euro 2016. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't very good. But, yeah, Dan, thank you very much for joining us today. And, uh, hopefully we can chat to you again later in the tournament. Definitely. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for joining us. We're not, we're not going to talk about the fact that Matt didn't have England going through from the group, shall we? We'll keep that quiet. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was Did, doing. Reverse psychology. Yeah, I didn't want to it was. Game. Completely I, Well, obviously, there, there was obviously drama going on with England-Wales in that second half, but there was also a heck of a game breaking out between between Iran and the USA. Delighted to say, and very early in the morning joining us from the US, uh, <laughs> Jeff Van Gerten is joining us. We really appreciate you waking up nice and early to join us. Uh, those of you watching on stream will realise that it's far too early to put in cap to be putting cameras on, so we're delighted yeah. to be just nobody just deserves to see it. Nobody bed? deserves to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jeff, yesterday, US uh, obviously knocked out Iran, um, a one-nil win. It was quite a cagey second half for the US. Um, and there's been talk. I think there's a kind of a feeling in the US that maybe some of the tactics are a bit negative in the US and maybe to, should be going for it a little bit more. Do you think that the this US t- team are maybe a little bit too conservative and should be maybe going at teams a little bit more? Um, I mean, I think certainly not in the England game because the the US the weakest point for this US team is are, are the fullbacks defending one v one, and so the entire game for the US was basically how can we make sure that that Robinson and Dest were not isolated against Socket and Sterling one v one where, you know, somebody's going to have to help and we're going to get ripped open. Um, that was certainly less of a, an issue with Iran. But, I mean, to your point, and I just looked at this just a few minutes ago, the first half, U.S. has outshot opponents 18-7. to 7. They've, they've been really good in, in the first half. They've held opponents to one shot on target in the first half. Second half, they've been outshot 12-10. to 10. Mm. So, to your point, yeah, they've... they've they become more defensive, but also I think you're right. I think the tactics haven't been great um, coming out of halftime. You know, we saw Wales took the game over. Iran took the game over. Um, yeah, I think what the, the shots you're talking about there, I think the majority of those probably came in those two games as well. England, it didn't feel like they really took the game to the US at all in that match. And the US played it perfectly. But it's maybe... Maybe it's more a case of where there's expectation that the US should get a result, they get a bit more nervy. Whereas the Wales and Iran game, I think most people would expect they, they could should beat them. Whereas England, they came into that game as the underdogs. So maybe it might play in your favour against the Netherlands, where you are expected to be the underdogs. You're expected to have less of the ball. And actually, it might suit 
the US a little bit more like they did against England because you probably on on the face of it you should probably should have beaten England in the end you had the better chances and actually with a better side yeah um I think I think part of that also you know with Wales and Iran is that Wales and Iran came in and tried to draw the U.S. in in the first half they they played defensively they sat back and the U.S. got a goal in both games so coming into the second half both teams came out and put pressure on the U.S. And, and attack the U.S. and the U.S. didn't like that. You know, they 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 really struggled to gain any foothold against against Wales, um, in terms of any sort of possession for any span of time. Did better against Iran uh, in spaces, but again, you know, just were 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 under pressure. Um, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see. You know, and, and and as you said with England, they never really it was a safety game. They never really yeah. tried to to put the U.S., you know, they didn't put a ton of numbers forward at any point. So the, anytime the U.S. has faced teams pushing forward and really trying to score, they've struggled. They held on against against Iran. They nearly held on against Wales if it wasn't for for the bad foul by, by Zimmerman, um, kind of needless foul. They, they very well could have held on there. So as bad as they've looked, they've only conceded one goal, and that was a penalty. Yeah. Um, it's the first time that you know we had said this yesterday. The first time they've kept consecutive clean sheets of the World Cup since 1930. Um, a long time. Yeah, we yeah. Talk, you talk about that possession as well. One of those, uh, one of the sequences where we saw a great spell of possession was Pulisic's goal as well. Eleven passes leading to that goal yesterday. Um, is, isn't that a world record in recorded history for the US? It is. It's the most since the US uh, got back into uh, into the global game in 1990. Um, which was their first World Cup in, since it's since the since 1950. So, yeah, and, and and you can see that's kind of it's it's similar. It's fewer passes, but similar to the goal against Wales, where a lot of those passes are in midfield, right? And, and they draw these yeah. these teams out and then hit them over the top. Um, it's like a work of art. It's almost symmetrical, isn't it? In half, <laughs> it, it is. works around the back. You've got two neat triangles, and then that, yeah, a, a great ball into the box uh, for Pulisic to finish. Um, what's most encouraging about this U.S. squad is, and Graham and I talked about this earlier in the week, is it, it feels like this U.S. squad is it's it's too early for them in this tournament, and they're really gearing up towards the next tournament. So any anything anything you get from this tournament is a bonus, really. We hit we look here at the average age of every uh, starting lineup so far in the World Cup. U.S. have the youngest at 25 years, 74 days, just ahead of Ecuador, Ghana, Spain, and England. So this is really a team that is building up towards the future to maybe actually threaten the so-called elite nations in, in their host nation World Cup in 2026, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and that was that was the whole point, you know, through the whole through all the qualifying is you have to get there, you have to get there, you have to get the experience. Only, you know, only DeAndre Yedlin, who played a couple minutes in 2014 has World Cup experience on this squad. So you don't want to go into a World Cup hosting a World Cup with nobody with any World Cup experience. The key yeah. was to get experience. And the group was, you know, you looked at that group and, and as a U.S. fan, you said, okay, well, you've got, you know, England to go through. And then you've got a chance against Wales and Iran. They're not easy teams. They're not pushovers, but it's doable. And so, you know, the ex expectation rose a little bit, even though, like you said, they're the youngest, they've been the youngest starting lineup in there, and I think it's the same with Canada too. And Canada's average age goes up a lot thanks to 39-year-old Atiba Hutchinson yeah. being in the team. But the idea, I think, is the same. A lot of those stars are young, and this this really was a tournament that was more important to get in than to do well in. 
Um, and now the U.S. is going to have the, the added benefit of playing a knockout game. And this is a U.S. team that yesterday contained 11 players, or the starting 11, none of those from MLS clubs. That was only the second time, wasn't it, in, in a competitive match that the U.S. has started without a player from the MLS since the league was launched in 1996. That's right. Um, and, and a number of those players uh, from Adams and, um, and Reem, uh, Matt Turner, came through MLS, came through youth academies, played a little bit in the league. Brendan Aronson, who came off the bench, a lot of their bench guys uh, played at MLS. A lot of the guys that came in to substitute, Zimmerman, Acosta, uh, Shaq Moore, all are MLSers. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was a big surprise to see Zimmerman dropped for Carter Vickers. Um, and and it really does it really does show you you, you look at the name of the, the names of those teams. You're talking about Milan and Arsenal and Chelsea, Juventus, um, some really yeah. big clubs. And and to have players playing enough in those big big clubs to be able to come in. Um, and start for the U.S. has been something we haven't seen before, really. Um, Jeff, Jeff, you left out Norwich City there. I did. <laughs> <laughs> How could we forget? Yeah. So what? What we talk about the U.S. here, and that this is maybe a transitional World Cup. You face the Netherlands in the next round, who, let's face it, haven't been that impressive. They've they've they faced a stiff test against Senegal in the opening game. They came through that with two very late goals. The first of which in the 85th, 86th minute was their first shot on target. They were really poor against Ecuador. They only had two shots in that game. Um, the first of which was the goal from Cody Gakpo. Again, yesterday against the Qatar team that, let's, let's face it, is probably the poorest at this World Cup. They weren't that impressive. They allowed Qatar to, to have a couple of chances. They didn't I think they only had one shot from the 49th minute onwards as well. It's not a team that the US should be scared of, is it? No, um, you know, just looking at, at, at some of the overall numbers for the Netherlands, they've, they've won possession barely in their two the games against Ecuador and Senegal. Um, but they're, you know, they're averaging 60 passes a shot. So there, there's a yeah. ton of passes in that buildup. It's the fourth most. So, you know, in, 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 as you look back again at the, the Pulisic goal, you know, the idea of pulling the Netherlands out, letting them, letting them pass letting them make mm. passes in the midfield if they're not creating a lot, which they haven't been, that chance to hit over the top with, with the, with the counterattack with the likes of Wea and Pulisic. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a chance to win that game. I, I, I don't, I think the U S can be cautious without being defensive against the Netherlands mm. um, because it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like there's as much threat when they have the ball, maybe as you, you would see with, with England, um, yeah. So, I, I think they can they can play this smart and and be in the game. I think there's way more talent. The best player on the pitch is obviously going to be Dutch in in Gakpo. Um, you know, I, yeah. I I think the Dutch have a talent advantage, um, but I I would favor the Netherlands in the game. But I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all. The U.S. goes the, in and and, and the pressure up. is all on them. The pressure is all on the Dutch. So. Let's let's put your neck on the line here, Jeff. What do you think will happen in this game? Do you think the US can advance? It, it, up or down, yes or no? Probably, I'm, I'm going to say no because the biggest problem the US has had has been taking chances. They're just not great finishing. They haven't been through qualifying. They haven't been for years. Um, they're going to have to take a chance. 
you know, they're, they're going to get only a couple of them. Probably. Um, there might, might be a couple good ones too. I mean, they, they, they may be more than the half chances they had against England. Um, but someone's got to be there to finish those chances. Uh, and that's been the biggest, the biggest issue for the U.S. is they're just not very clinical um, when they get good chances. And in, in, in a match like this, you have to be because you're not going to get many of them. Um, yeah, so over, over those four years until the next World Cup, you've got to find a finisher, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we've been we've been hoping a number nine would pop out of the ground for years now. You know, it, there's there's just been discussion. The biggest discussion point for this for, for this U.S. team over the last year has been who's going to be the starting striker. And at some point, I think everyone just realized there's not going to be a great starting number nine for this team, this world cup. It's yeah. just not going to happen. And it hasn't, they haven't gotten much from Sargent. They didn't get much from Haji Wright. Um, there aren't a lot of other options. Um, Jesus Ferreira yeah, might be a, a little bit, he's, he's smaller. Daryl DK at, at West Brom. I mean, he had a really good season in England yeah. a few years ago. He had some injury problems. He, he could be one that could step up. He's still only 22 years old, very physical presence, but, Great goal record. I mean, a few years ago, he scored mm. 10 goals in, in Major League Soccer in 2021 at, at Orlando City. And then the championship on loan, nine goals in 19 for Barnsley. Um, it's only since then his injuries have meant he's only, he's only yeah. played four times in league football. So actually, if he can get that injury record sorted, he could be that man. Yeah, Ricardo Pepe as well, um, who's who really good, nearly won the Golden Boot in MLS uh, in 2021, made a move to Augsburg and could not score a goal. And then, funny enough, actually moved to the Netherlands, to Groningen, um, where he's been great. But he, he didn't get called into this team for this tournament, which was a point of contention. Uh, some, some controversy there um, that, that he wasn't brought in. But he's another one that is, I think he's 20 years old, another one for the future. Uh, but unfortunately, DK and, and Pepe aren't going to help them uh, <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> against the Dutch. And there's obviously got to be hope that Christian Pulisic re re recovers from what I believe is a pelvic contusion injury. That's that's a term basically means injured. You know, he gently. got hit there. Yeah, yeah. He, got hit, he got hit so hard there he was dizzy. That's <laughs> oh, that is not what you want. <laughs> um, he, he's confident he's playing. He sent out. He, he sent a snap to uh, to his teammates that got that got made public that he said he'll be ready on Saturday. Um, I, he'll see. I, I think he'll start. Um, yeah. You know, there there may be some some games been shipped with a will he won't he from from the U.S. But yeah. I, he's you got to imagine that he's going to be out there from the start. Quite literally, a will he won't he? Um, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, he's probably already asking, we, can you take away the pain but keep the swelling? But anyway. Um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Well, Jeff, thanks very much for joining, mate. Um, we will chat to you after the U.S. beat the Netherlands this weekend. We'll uh, we'll, we'll speak to you on Monday. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Brilliant. Cheers, Cheers Jeff. Jeff. Thanks very much for joining us. Really early start for him and really full of energy for that. One. Right, <laughs> 27 minutes of us looking backward. It's time to look forward. We are not far away. What, hour and a half away from France uh, completing their group stage campaign. So delighted to bring Erwan onto the show with us here because already qualified, you know, one of these, you know, nations that just does things easy in the group stages. Or is it easy in the group stages? Because now the quiz begins, I think. <laughs> Oh, no, we've oh. got you on mute, I'm afraid to say. I just need to... Amateur hour from Graham here. Just 
<laughs> oh, the mic. Apparently, your mic is not connected. I'm afraid to say this is this is live broadcast. What we will do is we will. For you watching live, you're going to be going. Oh, this is a bit of a nightmare. But then when we uh, when we come uh, properly onto the show later on, we'll be all right. Um, this is what happens in the world of live broadcasting. Let me bring him in and out, and let's see if that makes a difference. No, still saying at my end the mic isn't connected. Apologies for everybody watching on the stream. So those on the podcast are going to get a wonderful jump and wonder what's happening. Um, well, in the meantime, we can talk about the other game in that group, Australia v Denmark, because that feels like the playoff for second place, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we've got Australia ahead at the moment with that great win against Tunisia this weekend. Denmark on a single point. They would have been disappointed not winning that game against Tunisia on the opening day. They wouldn't have expected much against France, despite beating them twice in the UEFA Nations League. So, yeah, Australia-Denmark looks like the one. Australia only need a point to go through if Tunisia don't beat France, which, let's face it, I don't think that will happen with the strength that France have in this tournament. So um, that's going to be an interesting one. It, it feels like the France-Tunisia game is maybe a bit of a dead rubber because um, I, I can't see Tunisia getting anything in that one. No. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a it's a fascinating one. I, I mean, I think everybody looked at that group and just went Denmark, France. Which way round they're going to be is just the debate point. Um, it's now going to come down to obviously the game that it's been, as you say, Tunisia. Just I don't think they've got. <coughs> it's going to be it's going to be. Erwan is still trying to join us and, and and come back to this, and hopefully we'll be all good. Um, but it does feel like. Deschamps, I, I, when I wrote my Optimillion, I was like, this is the game where maybe you're going to see that sort of rotation of the squad come in. And someone might out of nowhere really perform in this game and really throw a headache compared to Deschamps, who normally likes to keep the team quite similar throughout the process of the tournament. Yeah, I, I think that you, you'd think he will rest Mbappe today, maybe Dembele mm. as well, um, being through already. And, I mean, the next round... It could be anyone they're facing, really, in, in that group. It could be Argentina. So you'd be wanting to arrest your best players probably for that one, aren't you? Argent we, can, we can talk about that group as well with Argentina coming up against Poland today. Who knows what to expect from this Argentina team? They, they were much more impressive against Mexico than they were in the opening game against Saudi Arabia. But it didn't come easily to them until, until Messi's goal midway through the second half. So they cut, cut that off with uh, Enzo Fernandez. Um, we're all fanboys of Enzo there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Argentina will probably top that group. I think they'll beat Poland today. And then I really like to see Saudi Arabia beat Mexico. Or I don't know if a point would take them through. I don't think a point will take them through, depending on how heavily Argentina beat mm. Poland. But Saudi Arabia were excellent in the opening game against Argentina. I thought they played really well against Poland. They were just maybe a little bit naive in some of their decisions at the back. Um, if they'd have scored that penalty and then the follow-up against uh, Wojciech Szczesny, who made two phenomenal saves in that, in that. So it was, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, that group. It's probably the most interesting group left because we just don't know what to expect in that group. It could be two absolute shocks going through because I think most people would have had Argentina and Mexico to go through that group. I know you had Mexico getting to the final. Um, we'll talk less about that. Let's keep quiet about that. You don't know what to expect from Mexico, really, in, in this game as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch that one tonight. 
fingers crossed for Saudi Arabia because I think they've been the most entertaining team to watch so far. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting one today. I think my, my, my shouts will be Australia to cause a shock and get through behind France. And I think Argentina and Saudi Arabia to make it through group C. But we, we can talk about France a little bit now. We, we've got some, some statistics prepped there um, about how they've done so far. And Erwin can join us if, if he is able to after that. But we've got a graphic here looking at the French attack and their metrics so far at this World Cup. They, they've only played twice, but actually, forget the per game. They've got the highest non-penalty XG mm. so far in this tournament, despite only playing twice. They rank highest in XP, XG per game for non-penalty situations, 3.32, which is quite ridiculous. Yes, they have faced Denmark and Australia. The bulk of that came in that Australia game as well. I think that was the highest so far in the individual game. 22 shots on average of the, over those two games. 39 touches on, uh, in the opposition box per game average over those two matches. 29 touches in the opposition box from Kylian Mbappe, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, successful passes in the final third per game. They're up there as well with 122. But the proportion of those is the 10th highest. So a lot of that is kind of deeper possession, which will then you'll use that pace on the break. Uh, not, not, well, not the break, but pace on the wings you've got out there with Mbappe and Dembele. So we've got an attacking thirds graphic here as well, where we talk about France's threat out wide. 38.6% of their attacks in the attacking half or touches in the opposition half have come on the left-hand side. 36.1% on the right-hand side, showing that threat that Dembele and Mbappe carry uh, in this tournament. And so far, those two players, Dembele and Mbappe, are in the top four for attacking players in carry distance per 90 and progressive carry distance per 90. Um, they've been a massive threat. And Mbappe, in, in particular, looks like he could be odds-on for the golden boot and even the golden ball in this tournament if, if France continue throughout the tournament. Um, I don't see any issues if they avoid Argentina in the next round. I think they'll make it through to the quarterfinals and then could be could be England, couldn't it? They face uh, so that would be a cracking game. Yeah, I mean that would be that. That's what that's what that's kind of the, a test for both nations. Like, and I don't don't say that as like the worst cliche I think I've ever said, but it kind of it. That's where England really have to prove. Them. Look, look back to the Euros. They weren't really tested in the Euros till that semi final. Let's be like only their own poor performances got them into the issues. I'm going to be curious to see how this French team does now. They're still mm. riding the wave of where they are. They've got incredible talisman. They've got, they've got, they've got the pieces of the puzzle are still there. It's can they make it all connect, connect together one more time? And like they've got probably the best attacking threat in the tournament up there with England, I think. And they they've got Benzema and and Kunku out. <laughs> It's it's like got an embarrassment of riches, really, haven't they? One of those other players who we haven't really talked about in this tournament too much is Antoine Griezmann, who has a phenomenal record in national tournaments. And he's actually the leading player for chances created and expected assists for France so far in this tournament, playing a bit of a deeper role in that side. 25 games he's played at European Championships and FIFA World Cups combined. 16 goal involvements, 11 goals, 5 assists in 1,953 minutes. That is an outstanding record. Um, he, I don't think he's one of those players that will ever be considered by many to be a great or a French great. 
but maybe he should be entering that conversation. His, his stats stand out, really, for for many French players in, in mm. historical context as well in World Cup and European Championship history. So, yeah, maybe if France win this World Cup as well, he'll have two World Cup titles to his name. Maybe his name should be, be mentioned in those greats uh, in World Cup history. So it's going to be interesting. I think today, yeah, I can't see past the France victory to, to end the group on three wins out of three. But further on this tournament, there's still questions to be asked of this French team. I don't think their defence is phenomenal. They've also got Pogba and Kante missing as well in that midfield. Previous videos, we talked about the record without them. There's still big questions about this French team that need to be answered. And until they face one of the favourites for this tournament, um, yeah, we can't really answer those. Indeed. We are having major issues trying to connect our guest Erwan in today. We're going to try... One more time to see if we can uh, make it work. And by doing this, I have to uh, kick him out of the studio in our background. It's really frustrating. We just can't get his camera or microphone working at the moment. So, yeah. Overall, what we're sort of moving towards the end of the group stages here, Matt. What what's been like your what's been your standout story so far of this mm. tournament? I appreciate it's a little bit putting you on the spot here as we try and fill a bit of time. Um, but no, no, I, I think that it's the, the group stage, and especially we've seen the first round of games. Now, Duncan put, actually pointed this out earlier and, and made a call on it, and that it was the best chance for these teams to, ha- to make a shot. Mm-hmm. Teams entered this tournament more unprepared than they normally would have been. Some of the so called lesser nations had more preparation. We're able to prepare for those. And we did see some shots in Japan, Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia. Um, we could have seen an, a few more, I'm sure. Um, we didn't see any with Costa Rica, Spain, obviously. But yeah, I, I would have said maybe... I, I, I actually expected Iran to put up a bigger fight against England in the opening match. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's been... It's been an odd one. We, we we put the graphics on Optoralist on Twitter yesterday about goal, where the goals have been scored from, mm-hmm. where shots have been taken from, etc. as well. This is the highest proportion of shots inside the box in any World Cup. And it's been progressively getting higher and higher over tournament by tournament. So this is obviously before yesterday. Um, and it's it's... Teams, and this is where you can see analytics in action, really. Teams are getting wiser. Football is getting wiser about creating better opportunities, getting the ball into the box and, and, and being wiser at that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those tournaments where the teams that are wiser and are able to work the ball into the box will be the most successful. So, yeah, Spain, basically. <laughs> oh, well, I think we're working. I hope so, at least. Can you hear Here he is. Yeah. <laughs> I've done your job for you. I've talked about France. <laughs> we but we can still, we can still talk about What we'll do, we'll, we'll, because... we'll restart the whole chat and we'll just pretend this all never happened. Yeah. So, uh, it'd be great to get from a French perspective, like how you feel this tournament has gone. Do you think that actually it might work against France in the knockout stages, having a relatively comfortable ride so far and, and not a huge threat? I know the Denmark game, they equalised and you... You had to come back and, and win that from, from uh, one all. But it wasn't really much of a test, was it, for France in the end? Well, uh, I think uh, in most of the tournaments, 
the main enemy, the main opponent of France is France uh, itself, because especially in this World Cup, it, in which you don't have a lot of time to to prepare for the competition, uh, most of the teams only had one week or so. Uh, I think that the main difference can be made by uh, individual quality. And in terms of individual quality, I think there's, there are not a lot of uh, teams that can be better for, by France, but uh, you have to find a good formula for this. And uh, all the graphics that you showed were very interesting because uh, the threat is more, actually more diverse than in 2018. Uh, because in 2018, you had Kylian Mbappé on the right. That was basically the architect in threat on, on, uh, on the right side. But you had Blaise Matuidi on the left, uh, who was obviously acting more like a central midfielder or third central defender. And, um, and this time you have Ousmane Dembélé on the right. You still have Mbappé on the left. You have Théo Hernandez on the left as well. So, of course, you have to, to create new mechanism to compensate with uh, Rabiot, for instance, going on the left to, to protect the space that Mbappé and Hernandez are, are leaving. Uh, but apart of that, the, the threat, when you have the ball, the threat is maybe not bigger, but at least more uh, diverse with more possibilities. And I think this is a good formula that France found, uh, even though the, the opponents themselves were not maybe big opponents. <coughs> as you said, it was only Australia and Denmark, but it was a good test at least to try uh, your own system and your own style of play. And I think it's what? been convincing. Where I talk about you haven't had any challenges on the pitch so far, you've certainly had them off the pitch more than any other team in that you've had to deal with, before the tournament, you had Pogba and Kante missing, who were, were big yeah. players for France. On the eve of the tournament, you then have Christopher Nkunku and Karen Benzema ruled out. No other teams really had a talismanic player ruled out so close to the start of the tournament or in the tournament, apart from maybe Neymar at Brazil. We don't know how serious that is yet. And then you lose Lucas Hernandez um, in the first game as well. So you've had to deal with a lot of shuffling about the pack um, and changing things really late in the day. And you've dealt with those pretty well so far. And that shows how strong that that French squad is and your options even outside the squad to be able to call those players in, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but there is still a big <coughs> interrogation mark on, uh, on some roles, actually, uh, because uh, you talked about Pogba and Conte going out. Uh, we have Chouamini and Rabiot, which are obviously good replacement mm. for it. But behind them, uh, who is the third midfielder of this team? It's still a kind of an interrogation mark. Uh, is it Fofana from Monaco? Is it Camavinga? Pretty hard to say. And I think maybe the, this game today against Tunisia, in which uh, Deschamps is going to make a lot of changes, uh, will give a, a hint about uh, who will be the, the third one, for instance. But uh, that can be actually the main danger for France after all those injuries. Uh, if there is another one or two other big injuries, uh, that can be really difficult to to make a team as strong as we have uh, right now, but, and that can be uh, that can make a difference with teams like Brazil, for instance, <coughs> in which Neymar is not there, but you still have uh, you have Martinelli, you have Rodrigo, you have uh, you can put Fred in the midfield, etc. But we we talk about those key players missing, but like Karen Benzema is in his thirties now. Paul Pogba will be thirty in March. Ingolo Kante. I think he's in his 30s. Yeah, he's 31. So actually, those players being ruled out means that you're giving players who are much younger, who are the future of French football, an opportunity to step in those positions. And actually, it's going to stand you in good stead for the next European Championships, the next World Cup, where they're getting tournament experience earlier than expected, really, aren't they? Uh, yeah. And uh, actually, if you look back at the, at the World Cup that we won four years ago, uh, it was already a 
French team that was very young at the time uh, when we were looking at, uh, at Mbappé, of course, at Pavard, at Hernandez. Um, it was a lot of new players, the players with less than 10 or 15 uh, caps at the moment. And so we are kind of the same situation, uh, but of course there is still the mystery of uh, can they do the same uh, good as Pavard, Dan Hernandez and Mbappé at this moment. But yeah, we are, we are kind of going back into the same situation like in the World Cup, the World Cup is kind of the, the climax of uh, a national team, but in the same time for France, it's kind of a test of uh, resistance for those, those players. So what do you, you I'd imagine you'd expect France to, to top the group. That's not going to change that. And I think most people would expect three wins out of three in this group stage. But what do you expect beyond then? Is, is the worry that actually you could end up playing Argentina in the next round, which is a very tough game to play in the last 16, which is normally a, a, a sort of quality of opposition you'd expect to face quarterfinal onwards. After that could be England. Is there any worries that, about any teams or are France pretty confident that they could dispatch any team that they come up against? Well, as I said before, if you look at uh, individual quality, I think uh, you can talk about the main opponent being Brazil, uh, Portugal and maybe England. Uh, I would put maybe Argentina just a bit behind because of the defence mm. uh, and also the age of the attack as well, which means they are maybe more reliable real and, um, on Messi and not in the creative genius of Messi and not maybe a lot of uh, attacking in, in the counter-attacks. It's pretty hard for them. It's really a team that likes to have an end game. And so it might be more easy to, to, to counter, basically. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Brazil would be the, the main opponent because of the, the depth of the squad I was about saying before. That would be a fantastic match to watch France against Brazil. Yeah. Uh, two teams that, with that could be in the final stack full of talent, especially in attacking. It could be, but it won't be because England are getting there. We're doing, what can I say? Yeah, sure. I've got, I've got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got to be confident. Um, yeah, well, I think what we'll do is we'll speak again uh, ahead of the next, the next uh, round or even after the next round because I, I expect France will get through. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us, albeit later in the day than we expected. Um, <laughs> but we got there in the end. So yeah, good luck today. I hope you enjoyed the game. Yeah. Um, what what's your match prediction you. for the France game today? Well, if you look at the if you look at all uh, the games that are Deschamps, uh, the four competitions before that, every time in the third game of the group stages, it was a it was a draw. In the in 2014, it was a draw nil nil. Uh, 2016 a draw nil nil, 2018 <laughs> a draw nil nil, and uh, last year out at the Euros it was a draw two two against Portugal. Uh, so if you believe in the law of series, if you're a gambler, I think you should bet on a draw. But of course, uh, we we hope we hope uh, to win. Brilliant. Well, Awan, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll chat to you later in the tournament. Thank you very much. Thanks, Awan. Much appreciated. Everybody there hanging on with the technicals. <laughs> Wait, though I'm going to say that to everybody well worth the wait uh, so if you're wanting to back a draw in today make sure you head over to theanalyst.com and take part in the Opta Challenge where we've got free predictions for each and every match at the tournament if your free predictions come true you could be winning $500 quite easy hey maybe I can buy it to put some money in the hamsters to make sure our technology works tomorrow because we will be back on the day to day live tomorrow again at uh, what do we call it 1300 GMT one in the afternoon mm. UK time um, to make sure you come join us there because we're really enjoying these shows. We're getting some great audiences as well. Really do appreciate all of you watching us across YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, 
and of course as well those you listen on the podcast matt i'm thinking one day soon might have to get the post bag open might we get some questions in from our audience and, and answer them that could be a yeah post. we could do a special we could do a post bag special yeah we, well we, we are we, we whisper it quietly but we're moving to a time where there won't be any games on certain days you know we've already lost those yeah. early starts yeah exciting <laughs> what is sleep uh yeah. don't forget as well today the opta quiz is on at uh 1800 gmt tonight your chance to win one thousand dollars duncan alexander is in the chair for that one so he's the host with the most today and he'll hopefully be guiding you to victory i think that's it matt the only thing i was going to pick up one thing i did say was well, i asked you about what's been your story of the tournament so far mine's been the olden generation too many sides have come in with like one last go of certain squad you're looking at belgium they just look old wales last night was the end of an era for them that is the end of the bale ramsey joe allen all of that's gone now so it's gonna be fascinating to see the makeup when we roll around to 2026 as well i think there'll be some nations who you would expect to be there who are just going to be in too much of a transitional change and won't be able to get the squads in place because it's a much more congested time for them to get to get a new generation going and playing yeah, for the next World Cup, I mean, there's so many teams going to be in it that mm. you could still see Wales, even despite losing those great players. I'm sure Bale and Ramsey will still be there. Um, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll be carried to that team. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's like, as you say, Scotland had to go through that transitional phase in the 90s. They had a great side mm. um, and it's taken some time. Um I think the Republic of Ireland are going through it now, aren't they? They were yeah. another team that were brilliant in the early 2000s. Um, now just, and yeah, yeah, yeah now can't, can't uh, really replicate that. But I'm sure that in, in future years, um, those teams will be back. He says, knowing that he lives in the home nations. Um, <laughs> he's just smiling. I've got, I've got Irish and Scottish blood. I have to, I have to be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You think so quiet. Anyway, right then, uh, that's it for today. Thanks very much and for hanging with us through some of the technical faults as well. Really do appreciate it. Or we'll be back tomorrow. Looking back and looking forward, it's getting to that exciting time of the World Cup. Permutations across the board, but also great games for all of us to enjoy as well. In the meantime, though, thanks very much for watching. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.